nation's capital. Here is tonight's Nations Report. And, uh, and coming up in this evening's Nations Report for the ninth day of March 2022. Locally, Premier Mizik to host National Press Conference on 15th March. Regionally, Paho says COVID-19 pandemic disproportionately affected women in the Caribbean. Internationally, Russia's invasion of Ukraine puts Israel in a tricky spot. And in sports, Jamie Verde, Lester Stryker out for weeks with knee injury. These are just some of the headlines coming up for this evening. With the details, I'm Damian Wilson. And now, here is tonight's news. Premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands, the Honorable Charles Washington Mizik, has announced that he will host a virtu—that's a press conference live from the Premier's office in Providenciales at the Hilly Ewing Building on Leewood Highway on Tuesday, 15th March. The Premier has not given Lou as to the topics to be discussed in this press conference, but you can listen live via Radio Turks and Caicos 89.1 FM or via our website www.rtc89fm.com or our Facebook page RTC Station on Facebook. Education Week continues here in the TCI, and with Education Week activities taking place across the TCI, and in particular, the two public primary schools here in the nation's capital of Grand Turk have been hosting a series of events for the students and the community. Earlier today, the Uniglinton Primary School hosted a virtual reading garden where students of all ages took turns reading. Several teachers also got in on the act and read a few stories. The Eliza Simons Primary School hosted their sports day today, and we got a chance to catch up with Principal Nairi, T- that's Nairi Williams, who expressed her thoughts about the week of activities. Um, so, we here at the Life Summers Primary School, we are happy to be celebrating Education Week 2022 um, with all the activities that we have planned. Um, we've had a, a week filled of activities so far, starting with the service on Sunday. Um, Monday, we had our cultural day. So on Tuesday, um, we celebrated with our um, pajama reading lounge day, pajama day. And on Tuesday night, we had our movie, family movie night. And today we are with our sports day with our health and fitness showing that development of the child is not just about the academics, but about their fitness, their, their physical development as well. So we just want to thank the parent body. We want to thank the community for showing their support. They are out here. They've been coming out from, from jump from the beginning. And we just want to thank them for their support. And they're encouraging us to move forward. And um, uh, tomorrow will be our last full school event, which will be our um, award ceremony. So we are celebrating the children and their academic achievement for term one. So you have a child here at Eli Simons. You have a relative at Eli Simons. We encourage you to come out and, you know, support, show your support, whatever way is possible. And also remember, Friday we have no school, but it's Teacher Appreciation Day. So at every time you see a teacher, show them your appreciation, you know, thank them, you know, for the hard work they're doing, even through all the pandemic. Our teachers have been working hard, 
And, um, you know, we just want to share them, encourage them, you know, because it's not an easy job. But you're doing our best with the resources that we have, and we just want to celebrate them on Friday. So, um, happy Education Week, everyone. Trucks and Caicos, um, come to Lessons Primary School. Thank you for your continued support as we move forward. Principal of the Eliza Simons Primary School, Nairi Williams, right? Just so excited about the kids and the activities taking place. And as we continue with local news, the Department of Gender Affairs will be hosting an International Women's Day conference this evening at 6.30 at the Yellowman and Sons Auditorium in Grand Turk. Featured, featuring world-renowned television personality Judge Glenda Hatchett, who is the featured special guest for this event. And earlier today, Judge Hatchett had an encouraging word to get you guys to come out. Hello, this is Judge Glenda Hatchett. Some of you may know me from years on television, but I am so pleased to tell you that I am right here in the magnificent, beautiful Turks and Caicos, and I will be speaking tonight at the International Women's Celebration at Yellow Mans and Sons at 6.30. So please join us. Thank you. Judge Glenda Hatchett right there, and we do want to encourage you guys to go on out and show your support to the Department of Gender Affairs for all the wonderful work that they're doing, not just for women, but for all genders across the TCI. Turning to a little bit of education news, given that it's Education Week, the Ministry of Education, in collaboration with the Turks and Caicos Islands Community College, says that in recognition of the need to improve institutional governance and rethink the business model at the institution, they had embarked on an organizational review in December of 2021. They say that the objectives of the consultancy are to review and evaluate and recommend changes where appropriate to the following areas. The TCICC organizational structure to determine whether the design is appropriate, efficient to achieve the medium and long-term objectives of the government. The rules, responsibilities, qualifications and performance of managers, teaching staff to ensure efficacy and efficiency. The manager-to-employee ratio to determine if it is appropriate, the operational policies, protocols, procedures of the college, and determine if they are effective and or appropriate and make recommendation of gaps where need to be addressed and strengthen the governance and management system of the TCI Community College. The Education Ministry says that critical components of the review methodology included site visits and interface with those who work and learn in the TCI Community College environment. In this regard, a team comprising of local lead consultant Dr. Barbara Ambrister, supported by visiting consultants Dr. Alistair Hines and Dr. Ian Boxill of the University of the West Indies Mona Campus, held a vigorous three-day consultant that consultative agenda from 28th February to 2nd March. According to the ministry, this initiative was designed as an opportunity to engage one-on-one with key stakeholders ranging from policymakers, the Board of Governors, industry representatives, administrators, lecturers, and current and past students, most importantly. 
Ministry of Education, that's Minister of Education, Honorable Rachel Taylor, commented on a project noting that a review of the TCI Community College is critical in an effort to examine its performance in relation to its objectives as stated in the Community College Ordinance 2018, including its management practices and its features of transparency and accountability within the college system. The minister went on to say that as part of this review, the consultants will also examine the program offerings and assess their alignment with the findings of the skills audit and the current and medium-term skill demand. The minister says that they look forward to receiving the final draft of the review as they will work together to strengthen the governance systems in an effort to improve the management, efficiency and productivity of the institution. Along those same lines, Chair of the Turks and Caicos Islands Community College Board of Governors, Dr. Marcella Malcolm, says that it was a pleasure having a face-to-face meeting with the TCI Community College Organizational Review Consultants, explaining that not only did it provide a forum to discuss some of their preliminary findings, but it also gave the Board of Governors the opportunity to offer immediate feedback on the aspirations they hold for the college as a critical institution of learning in the Turks and Caicos Island society. Malcolm also says that they look forward to receiving the consultant's final report, which will help them to guide the strategic direction of the college and make improvements where needed to advance the TCI Community College in the years to come. The consultancy is being managed by interim TCI Community College President Mrs. Clara Gardner and the project team. It is expected to be completed by the end of April or early May 2022 upon receipt of the final report. And on Thursday, 3rd March, the Minister of Tourism, the Honorable Josephine Conley, concluded her face-based initiative tour on the island of Providenciales. The minister says that the faith and religious affairs meetings held throughout the island sought to foster increased engagement between political and religious leaders and to ensure that the views of the religious bodies are considered on all national decision-making initiatives. Each meeting was held that was well attended and Honorable Conley said that the intention of the tours was to force a, force a closer relationships between the clergy and political leaders to ensure that the views of those bodies are acted upon appropriately. The members of the clergy were pleased with the ministry's goals and proposed initiatives and gave feedback on how those initiatives can be successfully lo- successful and long-standing. Members of the clergy were also vocal with their concerns and were elated to support the overarching goals and objectives of the unit that will not only impact society, but address the social ills of our communities. Honorable Conley also said that this initiative will not only impact our communities, but have a greater influence on our youth development, specifically addressing the social ills that exist within our communities. She mentioned that religious leaders are often the first point of contact for the people within the Turks and Caicos Islands, and therefore it is important that those religious leaders not only have a seat at the table, but a voice at the table of decisions. And recognizing the need for a unified, improved relationship between faith-based organizations, the Turks and Caicos Islands government seeks to empower its citizens through 
the support of these faith-based initiatives to build capacity, institutions, and programs that will assist in alleviating poverty and improving the quality of life for, most specifically, the vulnerable in our society. This brings us to the end of this segment of the newscast. Stay tuned. Up next is a look at news on the regional scene. A new report by the Pan American Health Organization, PAHO, says that the coronavirus pandemic has had a disproportionate impact on women in the Americas, including the Caribbean, contributing to an increase in gender inequality in health and threatening women's development and well-being. PAHO said that the report, Gender and Health Analysis, COVID-19 in the Americas, which was launched on Tuesday during a webinar to mark International Women's Day, explores the effects of the pandemic on women and girls and represents findings in areas such as health, employment, and social welfare. The organization's director, Dr. Carissa Atien, says the report underscores that gender inequality is on is an ongoing social, economic, political, and health crisis, which has been exacerbated by the pandemic, but it also highlights where we need to work harder to create a more equitable, resilient, and sustainable future. The Dominican-born Dr. Etienne added that the role of caregiver exposed women to an increased risk of contracting COVID-19. She said the vast majority of healthcare workers were women who were on the front lines caring for patients and accounted for 72% of all COVID-19 cases amongst healthcare professionals in the region. Dr. Athian says that if women had been better protected from the start and with reasonable shifts, many infections could have been avoided. She said the physical and emotional cost of working long shifts in hospitals and the worry of COVID-19 exposure followed many female healthcare workers home where they were often also responsible for 80% of the chores. The study points to several research that have shown that women working in healthcare are more likely to suffer from anxiety, depression, insomnia, or burnout than their male counterparts. During lockdowns to curb the spread of the virus, Pajo said women also spent more time at home, a place which they believe was unsafe for many. Pajo said it calls to domestic violence hotlines shot up by 40% in some countries during these periods. In others, they dropped dramatically, indicating that women could have faced new barriers to seeking help. Adding that COVID-19 has also had a marked impact on women's health. The report notes that while data shows women are overall less likely to develop severe disease from COVID-19 than men, they were also more likely to be diagnosed. And turning to some news out of Antigua and Barbuda, breaking the bias was the theme under which Antigua and Barbuda-based CIBC First Caribbean celebrated three female farmers yesterday on International Women's Day.
The women were each awarded $5,000 during a short ceremony where Minister of Agriculture for Antigua and Barbuda, Samantha Marshall, was also in attendance. CIBC's country head, Ladisha James Williams, said that the financial institution based its decision on an explanation of the theme on the official International Women's Day website, which says, Imagine a gender-equal world. A world free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination. A world that's diverse, equitable, and inclusive. A world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias, celebrate women's achievement, raise awareness against bias, take action for equality. James Williams said that due to COVID, food production and food security have become more important and the female farmers are playing a leading role in increasing production. The three women who were awarded $5,000 gifts were Katian Barnett, a poultry farmer, Erica Phillip, a crop farmer, and Sylvanetta Charles, a beekeeper. This brings us to the end of regional news. Stay tuned to Radio Turks and Caicos. Up next is a look at news on the international scene. In Israel... When someone is trying to tread carefully, it is said that they are walking between the raindrops, trying not to get wet. For several weeks now, Israel has been walking between the raindrops as Russia wages war on Ukraine. On the one hand is a Foreign Minister, Yair Lepid, who regularly condemns Russia's invasion shortly after meeting with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on Monday, Lepad said that there is no justification for violating Ukrainian sovereignty and killing innocent civilians. On the other hand, there is Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. Although he has called for a ceasefire, is he is sending humanitarian aid and has personally welcomed Ukrainian refugees landing in Israel. He has barely mentioned Russia or its president Vladimir Putin in public speeches. The reason is complicated and down to a combination of economic, cultural, political and most importantly security considerations. And while the pressure has been building on Israel internationally and domestically to do more to help Ukraine and push back against Russia, Israel is arguing it should use its unique position as one of the few Western allied countries that has an open channel of communication with both Ukraine and Russia. Bennett is regular is in regular contact with both Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and Russian President Vladimir Putin, attempting to broker negotiations. An observant Jew, he broke Sabbath on Saturday to fly to Moscow for an unannounced meeting with Putin. On Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, work and the use of electrical objects is forbidden from sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday for those who observe it. But there's a caveat in Jewish law that a rule can be broken if it saves a life. Even before hostilities began, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky had been asking Israel to host talks in Jerusalem. Bennett brought up the possibility when he met Putin in the western Russian city of Sachi in October. But the Russian president dismissed the discussion, according to an Israeli official. 
After the invasion began, Zelensky again requested Israel mediate. The Israelis say they're in regular contact with both the Ukrainian and Russians. Bennett spoke with Zelensky again on Tuesday afternoon, but speaking on Sunday after his surprise trip to Moscow, Bennett did not sound optimistic. He said that Israel will continue to assist where needed, even if the chance is not great. As soon as there is even a small opening and they have access to all sides and the capability, he sees this as their moral obligation to make every effort to assist. Before Russian attacks on Ukraine led to mass displacement, Europe was already grappling with the Syrian refugee crisis, an issue that had bitterly divided European nations in recent years over what to do with the 1.1 million Syrians who sought refuge in Europe. Meanwhile, neighboring European nations have swiftly met the influx of more than 2 million Ukrainian refugees since Russia's invasion on the 24th of February with a united show of solidarity. Although it is unclear if disagreements over burden sharing will follow, according to those who study migration in Europe, experts say Ukrainian refugees face a more welcoming environment because they are white. Andrew Geddes, director of the Migration Policy Center, told ABC News that there's a stark contrast between Europe's very warm welcome of Ukrainian refugees compared to the largely hostile response to Syrians and other asylum seekers from Africa and the Middle East. Geddes noticed a stark contrast between the welcome offered to Syrian refugees, or lack thereof, versus that of Ukrainian refugees. Referencing Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic, the European Union members that were the most resistant to welcoming Syrian refugees are now quite favorable of Ukrainian refugees. Many non-white refugees fleeing Ukraine, including students from Asia and Africa, have reported instances of discrimination on the borders of Ukraine, with some telling ABC News that differential treatment based on race led to difficulties in crossing into countries like Poland. United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees, Filippo Grande, confirmed during a press conference last Tuesday that there are some instances of differential treatment at the borders based on race, but said he was assured that these are not state policies. Grandi said he met with Polish Foreign Minister last Wednesday, who affirmed Poland's commitment to continue receiving all those fleeing without distinction. Meanwhile, Ukraine's Foreign Minister of Affairs, that's Minister of Foreign Affairs, responded to reports of discrimination last Tuesday, tweeting that Ukraine's government spares no effort to solve the problem. He also added that Ukraine set up an emergency hotline to assist African, Asian, and other students seeking to leave Ukraine. Stay tuned to Radio Turks and Caicos. Up next is sports.
all you English football fans out there, Leicester's Jamie Verde is set to be out for a few weeks, says manager Brandon Rogers after the 35-year-old striker picked up a knee injury. Verde sustained the injury during Saturday's 1-0 win over Leeds. The former England striker was making his first start of 2022, having been sidelined for more than two months with a hamstring issue. Rogers says he got a knock to his knee, but hopefully in the next three to four weeks, it responds okay. He's going to be out for a few weeks, which is a shame. We really need him. Verde is the Foxes' joint top scorer with 12 goals from 24 appearances this season. Turning to some tennis news, Novak Djokovic's name has appeared in the draw for the first Masters Series event of the year in Indian Wells. The 20-time Grand Slam champion said in a BBC interview last month that he had not received a COVID-19 vaccination, but that is obligatory for any non-U.S. citizen wishing to enter the country. Djokovic did not take his name off the entry list before Tuesday's draw, and tournament organizers admit they have not been able to find out whether he has a viable route into the United States. The BNP Paribas Open said in a statement that Novak Djokovic is on the tournament's entry list and therefore is placed into the draw. Management said that they are currently in communication with Novak's team. However, it is not, it has not been determined if he will participate in the event by getting the CDC, that's the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, approval to enter the United States. More updates will be provided later once management receives more information. There are few exceptions to the U.S. COVID-19 entry requirements, and it seems unlikely Djokovic has recently had the vaccine. He was deported from Australia in January after the government canceled his visa in a row over his vaccine status. And Djokovic told Amal Rajan last month that he is prepared to miss out on big events in the future. Novak strongly stated that principles of decision-making on his body are more important than any title or anything else. He says that he is trying to be in tune with his body as much as he possibly can. As the second seed in Indian Wells, Djokovic has first-round bye and so would not play his first match before Saturday. He may be hoping there is a chance in the U.S. entry rules in the next 48 hours. But if he does have to withdraw, then the balance of the draw will be affected. The seeded players are spread out across the 96-man field. And if Djokovic's name is later removed, that section of the draw will be weaker than the others. Andy Murray is a potential beneficiary. The former world number one will play a qualifier in the opening round, but would be a potential third-round opponent for Djokovic. Britain's defending champion, Cameron Norrie, has a first-round bye, but finds himself in the same quarter of the draw as the world number one, Daniel Medvedev, and the fifth seed, Stefanos Tapafis. This brings us to the end of sports, and it also brings us to the end of our newscast for today. Stay tuned. Up next is a recap of our headlines. And recapping the headlines for today, the ninth day of March, 2022. Locally, 
Premier Music uh, set that's Premier Music announces press conference set for Tuesday, 15th of March. Regionally, Pajo says COVID-19 pandemic disproportionately affected women in the Caribbean. Internationally, Russia's invasion of Ukraine puts Israel in a tricky spot. And in sports, Jamie Verde, Leicester striker, out for weeks with knee injury. Thank you for joining us for today's newscast for the RTC News and Production Team. I'm Damien Wilson saying have yourselves a wonderful and blessed evening. And once again, I want to encourage you guys to go on out and support the Department of Gender Affairs and all of the wonderful women across the Turks and Caicos Islands and the world for that matter. Uh, as the department hosts its International Women's Day Conference with special featured guest Judge Glenda Hatchett from the United States. Have a good evening, everyone. And, of course, we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of The Nation's Report. And don't forget, if you want more news, you can log on to www.rtc89fm.com or download the RTC app in the Google Play Store. Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.